Blog Talk Radio. Playing Sports City Chefs from Amazon Music. Kind of mm-hmm. say it. it's hard 
to win in this league, man. And it's hard to win at that level. And to win to win the division, I, I, I would say it is hard, but you've seen teams dominate divisions like the, the Chiefs recently, uh, the Patriots of old. But then I'm used to, like, the NFC East where there's always a new division winner every year, right? But there is that that uh, level of dominance within the division. But the Packers were so high to, you know, be in that one seed, you know, and, and had, like, those two years where they had that team that should have went to a Super Bowl and they didn't get it. I felt like it was going to be a fall-off for them. And I felt like, honestly, that fall-off would be encompassed with them not winning the division. And I felt like the, the Vikings were ready to turn that corner a little bit um, with a new coach, with a new regime, a new attitude, and, and it kind of worked out for them. Definitely, definitely. Um, that was your NFC. Like you're, you're batting two for two right now because your AFC prediction, um, you had two. One was Josh Allen won the MVP, but you said the Jags will, will win more than seven games. The Jacksonville Jaguars are in the playoffs right now. Um, I think a lot of us sitting here in the building uh, were in lockstep with the Jacksonville Jaguars making a significant leap uh, this upcoming year, but I didn't have them in the playoffs. They superseded mm-hmm. your expectation, man. Give me your mindset when you were talking about the Jags. Now, Josh Allen won the MVP. That's still up for grabs. But this Jags pick you had here early um, in September, man, it's crazy. You know, I, I really – I liked the idea of bringing in Doug Peterson as the coach. I felt like he had done more with less. Uh, not saying Carson Wentz when he had his MVP run – um, he didn't win the MVP before he had got, you know, when he had got hurt that year. But he was playing lights out. Both came in, led them to the to the Super Bowl, and you know had you know played well under Doug Peterson. I felt like Doug Peterson wasn't the reason um, that the Eagles weren't winning games at that point. So I felt like getting him in lockstep with um, with with uh, Trevor Lawrence was a good thing. But under, I think you had said it too. The Jags quietly had a really good offseason. They had a good draft. They brought in some yeah, good yeah. pieces um, at the receiver position, with, like Zay Jones. They uh, they had brought in um, Evan Ingram on a nice deal. I felt they mm-hmm. could start, and they had some good pieces on the line that they brought in too, as well. Christian Kirk so came in. Like they had right, right. So I felt like they had some pieces that they could work with, and you know, win more games than than. Um, than they had won the previous year. I didn't think they would win the division, um, especially starting, what, three and seven this year. But give that team yeah, yeah, they, they come well. in there, they rallied, and they played some really good football down the stretch, and they deserve to win that division. Definitely, definitely. Another chef prediction that I wanted to get to, and I, I'll go ahead and bring him in here, is, is the one and only Mr. Harvey. Um, Mr. Harvey, my man, you your, your NFC prediction, you had two, and one of them came true, um, but there's an asterisk by it because you said the sample in the division, uh, but you said Justin Fields will have a much better year than Trey Lance. Um, <laughs> what's going on with the Saints? Like, like, like obviously well, the Saints didn't well, win the division, and we've been talking about it all year, but go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead talk to me about what's going on. 
Uh, I, I did also pick the Vikings, and I thought Jacksonville would be decent too this year. I thought they would win more games mm-hmm. than you thought. For the, sa- for the same reasons that you just did, I thought the quarterback would mature, ATN getting healthy, and actually having a coach, as we talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> it would make a difference. But I thought Justin Fields would have a better year than Trey Lance because I believe you know he did play some last year, and so a lot of times quarterbacks take that jump uh, from year one to year two. And even though he didn't have the same kind of weapons, I honestly thought that Trey Lance would get hurt. I, I did not see Trey Lance completing a season. He's kind of been banged up before, too. So I didn't expect Trey Lance to play a full season this year. So, uh, I, I mean, obviously Fields took uh, a big step forward uh, running the ball. His passing still needs to continue to develop. They still need to continue to uh, protect him and things a little bit better, too. But he's got Moody. They went and got Claypool. Maybe you try to get another piece in the offseason to try to shore up that receiving core a little bit. That line can run block, but they're not the the greatest at pass blocking. And so I think you also need to do some work in the trenches um, if you're the Bears. But I, I saw enough from Justin Fields to say, yeah, let's run it back again and give him another year to see what he can continue to do uh, at the quarterback position for Chicago. I, I you know, I, I already think he's going to be much better than the last quarterback that they drafted foolishly in the first round. Uh, I don't think mm-hmm. uh, I don't think Fields was a foolish pick, but I do think Trubisky was, especially with the other quarterbacks that were sitting there on the board when they drafted him. Uh, but now to the Saints, man, like. Listen, this past weekend was a microcosm of their season. This team just never did the little things. Like, as bad as it was for this team, they finished 7-10. and 10. Nine wins would have gotten you the division, right? They had Tampa beat late, down 13 with, what, three minutes to go, and found a way to lose that game. Uh, Andy Dalton, always the red rifle shoots blanks in primetime, happened again uh, a couple times this year. But it wasn't even necessarily even bad performances, but just crazy turnovers. Like we talked about at the end of that Arizona game, uh, at the end of the first half of that Arizona game, the Saints pretty much handed them 14 points going into the locker room on a game that they were right there and could have easily won. Uh, This Saints team very rarely this year did they get blown out of the water. There were a couple games that they didn't look great in. Uh, Pittsburgh and Baltimore comes to mind. Uh, But they were right there against Cincinnati. They were right there um, in both of the games with Tampa, really. Uh, They were right there in the San Francisco game, if we're being honest about it. I mean, this team very easily could have gotten away with two or three more wins. And if if Jameis had been able to be healthy, maybe he uh, solidifies that quarterback position a little bit more for them. Uh, but at the end of the day, man, too many injuries, too much inconsistency, uh, not really stability at the quarterback position. You needed your gadget player like Taysom Hill to really uh, have good games. If, if they could shut Taysom down, then the, that offense is in trouble. Uh, so they just uh, – they still have a lot of talent on that roster, but they still lack the direction. They lack the killer instinct and the ability to close. Uh, you know, I, I still believe that uh, talent-wise, uh, that team is as good as any team in that division. Uh, but once again, like, 
you know, we don't play games on paper and we don't play games in talent pools. You got to, you got to put it all together and execute. And this team just failed to execute when it matters. Uh, and so at the end of the day, that's why they're seven and 10. That's why they're sitting at home. And that's why the Eagles are going to get the 10th pick in the first round. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wanted to go back to you. You mentioned, um, a couple of things about the Saints that I wanted to talk to you about. I haven't spoken to you guys in a minute, but I wanted to go to your AFC prediction that you had in September, um, and you hit one of these on the nose. You said the Titans would miss the playoffs, uh, but you said, I don't know if he was being funny or whatever, you said either the Bengals or the Chiefs would finish below 500. Um, and I kind of get where you were going with, with the Bengals because the Super Bowl hangover and, and everything. Um, but this Titans pick that you made here back in September before the season started proved to be correct, which was funny because I watched this throughout the season. And the Titans ran off. They started out, you know, 0-2, and they, they ran off 6-7 straight. Like it was 7-3. Yeah, three. they were 7-3. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, but give me honestly, what you were about the Titans. Uh, yeah, so honestly, I thought the Chiefs would win the division uh, because to me, uh, I thought that uh, I thought that you, you know you got to knock off Andy Reid and those guys. Uh, I you know I was kind of being funny and so I kind of just kind of wild prediction at the end. Maybe one of them would not do well, and I, I kind of thought Cincinnati might be the most likely with a Super Bowl hangover. Uh, but you know, shout out to both of those two teams uh, on good seasons. But my thought with the Titans was. I, like a couple of different things. I still don't trust Tannehill, right? Um, now, Tannehill would have been better than what they ended up with later in the season. Malik Willis wasn't ready, so they had to go sign Josh Jobs off the streets uh, just to give him somebody to play at the quarterback position. But I really thought after the A.J. Brown trade, I didn't think they did enough in free agency to address the wide receiver position. So you were counting – big time on a guy like Traylon Burks as your slot guy from Arkansas who showed you some flashes this year, but he really wasn't even in that much of a pass-happy offense in college. Um, And so he didn't come in, you know, Traylon Burks didn't come in with the same level of preparedness that say, uh, you know, a couple of my LSU boys like Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson or even Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave came in with, right? Uh And so – I I just didn't, I, you know, th- there used to be a time where a wide receiver position was one of the hardest positions to transition to in the league because offenses were just so much different than, than what they were in college. And so I, I thought that he would need more time to mature. I didn't, I didn't think they had nearly enough at the quarterback position. But now the second half of why I thought the Titans were going to miss the playoffs, uh, my other reasoning for that got completely blown out of the water pretty early in the season. I really thought that with everything that the Indianapolis Colts had on that roster, that Matt Ryan would stabilize the quarterback position. And I thought that team just – I thought that team had enough to win the division. Um, And, you know, I thought Jacksonville would be a little bit better, and I thought they would kind of challenge. But I I honestly believe looking at the East – and the North and the West, I thought that only one team out of the South would make the playoffs, and I just didn't think it would be Tennessee. So that's why I picked them out of the playoffs. 
Hey, man, that's true. I mean, honestly, I, I haven't been a fan of the Tennessee Titans for, for an extended period of time. Um, so the fact that you mentioned that they would miss the playoffs, um, I, I, I was sitting pretty with that. I just honestly thought that the Indianapolis Colts, um, like you alluded to a minute ago, would be the team that represented that division. Um, for me, um, my bold predictions, none of them came true for both the AFC and the NFC side. Um, my first one was I thought the Giants were in the division and that TB12 would miss uh, six games for non-injury-related issues. Um, if you guys think back uh, with training camp and everything, he was gone for a couple days and yeah, that's right when his divorce, you know, was being made public and, you know, and, and everything. So I just figured he would miss some time dealing with that. Um, and I looked at the Giants' schedule, and I really felt, and again, I've been talking with Barry about this all season, I really felt as though the Giants would be a team that could not only make the playoffs, but win a division. I did not expect the Philadelphia Eagles to come out like gangbusters the way they did. Um, I didn't really believe in the Washington Commanders um, just because I don't feel as though their coach knows what the hell he's doing, but we'll talk about that in, in, in a little bit. Um, and the Dallas Cowboys are indeed the Dallas Cowboys. So I just figured the coach, I thought I thought Brian Dable really had the pulse of that team, and I figured they would really win the division. Um, the AFC side – it's really, really I think I thought. Go ahead, go ahead. No, no, I, I was a big fan of that A.J. Brown move to Philly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that was the yeah, legit yeah. number one receiver to put along Devonta Smith uh, to give them a legit one-two punch at the wide receiver position. I expected Jalen Hurts to take another step forward. I'm not sure if I picked them or the Cowboys at the beginning of the season. Uh, I, I did think the Giants could be in the discussion because I, I do think a lot of Brian Dable. Now, he has even surpassed my expectations as a coach. Uh, but mm. I was not surprised to see to see Philly in that, uh, win that division. You know, I, I think Sirius had it, and I don't want to defend your pick, but I think we all thought that Brown was a steal on the draft day. Like, everybody yeah, said. Yeah. Like, I, it, we didn't. We barely talked about the draft we, that day, right? We were talking about how the Eagles stole Brown from the um, from the Texans, uh, from the Titans. I mean, Titans. but I think yeah. we didn't. And think how dumb that... it was the Titans. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. But we didn't think that Hurts would be this good. Like we thought it was going to be a year or two out, and to see the maturation of his game, and you saw it more when he didn't play when Gardner Minshew had to come in and play, like how important he was to this team. Like everybody thought it was the pieces around them, the best offensive line, really good defense, receivers, two good running backs, a really good coach. Blah, blah. No, Jalen Hurts is as big a reason, if not any any other part of this team, why the Eagles are as successful as they were, and he proved it this year. I don't think anybody and we saw, saw that coming. And we saw it in the Saints game, because I'm going to give you an example, even when – the blocking was okay. Now, the Saints were able to put a lot of pressure on Gardner Minshew. 
and Lakers mm-hmm. made it difficult that day. But even when guys were being covered pretty well downfield, and those are those are two really tough covers. When you throw the tight end, and, um, that that's not an easy team to cover downfield. But the thing that Jalen Hurts did so well is not only did he throw the ball this year, but he continued uh, he continued knowing when to take off and mm-hmm. when to make positive plays with his legs and keep drives moving. And you could see like just watching that game against the Saints. Um, I guess ten days, nine days ago now, you you could just tell like if Hertz had been in the game, there were a couple of different spots where you were like, yeah, that drive would have continued. You know what I mean? Because there's no way he doesn't get four yards right there. You know what I mean? To get that first down and keep the chains moving. So you definitely saw it uh, in that. And and I think this is a lesson too, though. And uh, I'm just gonna throw. Uh, little bombshell in there before we continue our conversation. But I think that this is a a spot where we're going to see the league continue to mold, to uh, gravitate or, or we're going to see this paradigm continue to shift towards more athletic quarterbacks that can pick up yards with their legs too because eventually things break down in that passing game. And if you can't, if you can't keep the chains moving uh, with your legs, like eventually you're going to get left behind. Well, here's the, here's the thing. I think Nick Sirianni deserves a tremendous amount of credit for what he was able mm-hmm. to do with the Philadelphia Eagles. You know, in my opinion, he should get uh, some recognition for, for Coach of the Year, and we'll, we'll talk about mm-hmm. that um, probably later on. I don't think he wins it, but um, well, he's not my vote to win it. I, I think with the record, he, he might actually win it, but <clears> – <throat> I think somebody else deserves a far more, um, you know, consideration based off of what this coach had to overcome, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But um, to the train moving on, on the AFC side, my prediction um, was very, 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 very Steeler-focused. Um, no shock to anybody here. Um, I felt as though we would win the division and both the Ravens and Bengals would miss the playoffs and finish um, under 500. Um, and my reasoning for that was 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 dual folded, if you will. I, I felt as though the the Ravens' offense is very very one dimensional. I knew it was only a matter of time before Lamar Jackson got hurt because his team refuses to put the pieces around him to be successful. Um, and I really felt that the Bengals would suffer a Super Bowl hangover. Um, clearly, mm-hmm. I was wrong. Those two teams are in the playoffs, have a winning record, and my squad is not in the playoffs, uh, still with a winning record, but Common doesn't have losing seasons, but that's another conversation for the back. Um, but that was my reasoning for that. Um, I wanted to go back. Um, and talk a little bit about what we were just talking about as far as coach of the year. Um, We mentioned Nick Sirianni, um, but I wanted to go to you, Villain, um, before we really get into the the meat and potatoes, if you will, of of tonight's show. Um, Coach of the year, there's a lot of candidates that um, really deserve uh, accolades, uh, for what they were able to accomplish this year, but if you could, you know, wave your magic wand and give anybody that award, who would it be? I mean, Sirianni is is a coach that really kind of gets 
um, should get some kudos. Um, Kyle Shanahan um, losing two quarterbacks and not skipping a beat, arguably one of the best teams, top five teams in the league right now. Um, you know, Doug Peterson should probably get some credit for turning around a three and seven team and getting them to win the division. But um, my guy is going to be Brian Dable. I mean, and yeah, because I'm a Giants fan, but you just have to understand my birthday was yesterday, Sirius. And we talked last year, the day after my birthday, or I think it was a day or two after my birthday, how January 9th, 2022 was the lowest day in Giants history. That was the third, third and nine, deep in their territory, oh, yeah. doing the kneel down. I remember a that. A year later. I remember that. Right. A year later, we're getting ready for a playoff game. And that's not just because of Dable. Joe, uh, Joe Shane uh, uh, gets credit for that, too. Um, but Brian Dable took almost the same roster with a couple draft picks and what have you and a couple, uh, not a lot of free agent signings because they didn't have a lot of cap flexibility and all that stuff, basically took this same team and turned it into a playoff team. I There's nothing else you can say. He changed the attitude, the you know, like from day one he came in here, the way he handled Daniel Jones. I mean, I, I read a report, and I don't know if I got a chance to send it to you, Sirius, about Brian Dable – purposely preseason he gave wink martindale every play he was going to run in practice so that wink martindale can run the perfect defense against it basically set up daniel jones to have adversity and then gave uh tyron taylor every the wrong play he gave the wrong play that tyron taylor was going to uh, run so that he would succeed and basically did that to test Daniel Jones and how he, he would respond to adversity. And Daniel Jones came through with flying colors. Little things like that set this team up to put them where they are right now. That's, that's coaching. That's, that, and I said in the preseason, I was telling you, Sirius, you remember, I said, Daniel Jones looks like crap. He's not going to make it. we got to get rid of him. I was all over this kid. And it was for a reason. Because Dable did it. That's what he did. And to see that and to go into the whole season where he is not turning the football over, you got Saquon Barkley um, re- rejuvenated. The defense is playing. Like, Brian Dable is my coach of the year, hands down. I mean, I can't argue against that, to be honest with you. I really feel as though um, he has a good shot at winning it. But before I go over to, to Mr. Harvey, I, I'm going to give mine um, mm-hmm. because I, I feel as though if I don't, Mr. Harvey's going to steal them. Um, <laughs> I think the big, <laughs> I think the biggest guy that needs to be recognized um, for being Coach of the Year is Dan Campbell, mm. and I like what he's been able to accomplish this year playing uh, coaching the Detroit Lions. It wasn't it was never pretty. Um mm-hmm. he dealt with adversity. Um he dealt with injuries. He was a punchline 
and a, a quote-unquote joke for uh, sportscasters and even us here in Sports City or in the barbershop on Clubhouse. Um, but what Dan Campbell was able to accomplish this year um, is I, I tip my cap to him. Um, to go into Lambeau Field on, on Sunday night and not be in playoff contention and to literally say, if we're not going, we want to make sure they're not going either, and then do that, <laughs> bravo. You know what I'm saying? He understood the assignment, and when the chips were down, he never let his team let go of the rope. One of the things that Mason Cole said um, when, he was to, when he was asked about Mike Tomlin and how the turnaround took place when we were two and six and all of a sudden we finished nine and seven or whatever the case may be, he said Mike Tomlin never let us let go of the rope. And there have been teams that start off slow or start off bad and they end that way because teams let go of the rope and they don't finish. So watching Dan Campbell and the Detroit Lions, um, you know, figure things out and get that offense clicking. They had the fifth best offense in the league with with a castaway at quarterback. How many people, you know, laughed when they went and picked up Jared Goff and, you know, we all sit here and play fantasy. Nobody picked him up. He was a free agent, you know, pick up, you know, midway through the first quarter of the season because nobody wanted to pick him up. Um, mm-hmm. Dan Campbell did work, man. Call the numbers nine two nine four seven seven two seven five nine. I wanted to go over to Mr. Harvey, sir. Um, your coach of the year. So I like all the names you mentioned. Dan Campbell was a guy that I was going to bring up. Also, you're right. <laughs> um, and part of it too was because, you know, listen, this team just did the HBO Hard Knocks, so they are they're kind of in the limelight already, and then they start one and seven. Right now. Um, they were able to come back, you know, win seven out of the next eight to break even. Uh, but they started, you know, one at seven or one at six or whatever it was. I think it was one at six, and then they won six out of the next seven to end up with yeah. seven and seven. That's what it was. But they started out one and six, and, you know, so, of course, of course, a lot of scrutiny and the fact that they were able to bounce back. Uh, Shanahan, for the same reason that you just mentioned, um, you know, once again, down to your third quarterback. I've personally seen my team completely buckle once you got down to a third quarterback. So the fact that they didn't miss a beat and still were in play for the number one seed, uh, Mike Tomlin, for the same reason, like this team didn't let go and they were able to hold on even uh, through some injuries and everything else. Another name that I think uh, deserves a little consideration before I give you my, my final answer for coach of the year um, I think Pete Carroll has to be considered a little bit because, listen, mm-hmm. going into this season, everybody said, listen, Seattle's going to tank. This team's not going to be very good. Nobody predicted these guys to make the playoffs. Let's be real. Yeah. And yeah. And, and this team is just going to tank. They're going to ride it out with Geno and Drew Locke, try to get a top five draft pick, and maybe, you know, they're going to be in the Bryce Young sweepstakes. That's what we talked about when it came to Seattle. What do they got going on there? What are they going to do? As many people as they sold off. This team was competitive all year long. 
and that's not something that anybody expected. So shout out to the old man, Pete Carroll, because uh, this team did definitely overachieve this year. Only quick in the barbershop state going into the year. Seattle is going to be much better than people thought. Um, so shout out to uh, – yeah. Shout out to Pete Carroll. But my answer, honestly, is the same as the Dillons. My coach of the year has got to be Brian Dable because, once again, he uh, worked some magic to get Daniel Jones not to turn over the ball as much, uh, Saquon rejuvenated. And then the other thing is this team won a lot of close games, games that they would have easily lost in previous years. And yep. a lot of times when you start getting down to, like, a possession game, then those all those little decisions, those little calls that you make throughout the game become more magnified, right? If you win or lose by 20, nobody cares. Um, but these one-possession ga- games, I mean, shout out to Minnesota. They won, like, 12 of them this year. Uh, but it, to me, just you look at, like you said, the, the low points that the Giants were at last year, the season they had, and they, I mean, I think you understated their draft. They had a very good draft. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, we we were talking about the two New York teams possibly being the two teams that won the draft this past year. Uh, so they had, yeah. they had a really good draft. But once again, you're bringing in rookie faces to go with guys that you still had, very few changes. And then you, you even got some production late in the season from a guy who was a malcontent early kind of uh, wanting to be gone. And the thing is, this team did this with no weapons at wide receiver. I mean, you got some guys that have caught passes, but I mean, are they really weapons? I mean, come on, these are cap guns, you know, like, um, but they've been able to find a way to get it done with smoke and mirrors. Don't mess around and let this guy get a legit number one receiver and, and maybe a second guy and get a little bit more in the, in the passing game, a few more weapons. Over the next couple of years, this team's going to continue to evolve and grow, I think. You know what? It's funny you mention that because, honestly, I, I, I can't disagree with you because, again, what Brian Dable um, was able to accomplish with the, with the weapons or lack thereof that he had, you know, uh, was spectacular. I, I was up close and personal when they played the commanders out here in, in D.C., and I'm like, yo, who in that – what? Who was he throwing the ball to? How were they moving the football? Like, you know, Saquon left, Saquon right. He's throwing the ball to guys he picked up on Walmart, you know, on the way on the bus ride down. Like, what in the world? Um, and they he managed to get it done. They played defense. Thibodeau, um, once again, was as good as advertised. Um, I feel as though they could continue to build. On that, you know, I mean, I'm not picking the Giants to go on this this magical run or anything like that, but there is some stability uh, there now that was missing in, in years before, and I think that's a huge testament to Brian Dable um, and what he was able to accomplish. Now, on the flip side, gentlemen, uh, we talked about coaches of the year. Uh, we uh, I'm going to hold talk on. Can about I can I add two things, serious? I'm sorry. Yeah, because one thing, the and I said it on the show, and you 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 said it too. And the best off season move the Giants made was bringing in uh, Wink Martindale as defensive coordinator and Mike Kafka 
as the offensive coordinator. Those were the two biggest off-season signings that they had. It wasn't players. It was those two coaches. And and Brian Dable put those guys, trusted them, and, and you know, the, 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 the lack of weapons on offense, it gets really easy to bottle up Saquon Barkley when you have an average line with a really good ta- tackle, but everybody else is a question mark and a running back. And th- to be able to win games like that is amazing. But Dan Campbell – to your point, Sirius, doesn't get enough credit. I just had to, you know, chime in on that because this team was dead to rights, one one and six, a team that has been used to losing for a while now. And I, and I said it to TP, I, at the beginning of the season before, I said, this team can get into the playoffs. And I think mm-hmm. people laughed at me. And I was like, no, I, it wasn't just the hard knock, uh, the hard knock effect, right? I, I saw it. I'm on Brown, uh, giving Williams. I liked what I saw from um, Swift and, and, and Jamal. I just liked this offense, right? They had the best yeah, offensive yeah. line in the league. And Dan Campbell, one and six, this team could have been dead to rights. And the fact that he brought them back and got them in, into the – if they had won that Carolina game, the Giants are the seventh seed, the, 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 the Lions are the sixth seed, going into to, to Minnesota right now. And, and the best thing The players them, love him in New Orleans. Oh, absolutely. And I think that that's, that's why Dan Campbell resonates in Detroit, because the players played their ass off for him. They fought for him. And they didn't yeah, want yeah. him to lead, you know, get fired after a, another bad season. Now Dan Campbell, all he needs to figure out is, how can we fix that defense? What do we need to get Aaron Glenn? Because Aaron Glenn is a damn good defensive coordinator. He just didn't have the horses in the in the secondary to to, to stop people. He, I think they need another linebacker. They got a really good defensive line, corners, maybe some safeties. This line team is going to be a playoff team next year, and Dan Campbell is a big reason for that. Aaron Glenn. I can't even argue against that. Aaron Glenn was a great defensive back coach in New Orleans. We all know that he maximized his talent as an undersized DB in the league. Uh, with the Jets and uh, but Aaron Glenn and Dan Campbell were both on Sean Payton's staff for a while in New Orleans, and the players mm-hmm. loved them both. Uh, Glenn under Dennis Allen as a, as a defensive uh, backs coach, and uh, I think he had been there under another defensive coordinator too. Uh, but I think last time he was there, Dan Campbell uh, did, did multiple things: coach tight ends, uh, special teams coach, but. Uh, Dan Campbell was very highly thought of by the Saints, by the Saints players. They loved him. Yeah. Um, one thing before we, we we move to the next topic. Um, again, I, I'm, I'm here with all the Detroit Lions, Dan Campbell love. You know, which is weird because you guys know how much me and TP go at it. Um, but real <laughs> talk, man. This, this, this Lions team, I think, is a decent away from being really, really scary. And we saw splashes of, you know, Williams coming back healthy and what he's able to accomplish. If you get him on my Ross St. Brown, if DeAndre Swift can stay healthy, um, I mean, again, this team has some staying power. Um I wanted to transition into coaches that were fired, but before I do, call the number is nine two nine four seven seven two seven five nine here with Sports City Chefs uh, for the next couple minutes or so. Um, 
I, I, I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but I wanted to go around the room and kind of get you guys' take on yesterday's national championship, if you want to call it a game. Mm. But want to kind of get what you guys thought about it. Um, I really feel as though um, Georgia Winston proved a statement. I really felt as though um, TCU was overmatched. Um, I think that they just got beat bloodied, if you will. But I'm going to take it to our resident SEC guy first. Uh, Mr. Harvey, man, talk to me about your interconference rivals there, man. Were they that good or was TCU that bad? So, first of all, let me just point out, this is the worst beating in a national championship game that we've ever seen in the history of football. Even when they had, even when they didn't have a true national championship and you went to bowl games and then the writers and the coaches picked the national champion, um, listen, this was, this was bad. This was really, really bad. Um, And I'll be honest with you, I didn't, I didn't expect anything like this. Like, Georgia's really good. Don't get me wrong. They have uh, – they lost a lot of guys off that defense, but they just – you know, this is – I want to say their fifth or sixth year in a row of a top three recruiting class, and they know what to do with the talent. Uh, listen, Kirby Smart was uh, Nick Saban's top assistant and defensive coordinator for a while. Uh, has been around for a while, was was a part of several of those Alabama national championship teams. So he knows, uh, you know, he learned a lot from, quite honestly, the best coach that we've seen in college football in this generation. Uh, so, you know, looking at it, though, I go back and I look at the two semifinal games. Georgia was fortunate to get out of that game um, against Ohio State. And quite honest, quite honestly, if Ohio State had not gotten cute, um, after they got the run into Georgia territory in the last minute of the game and tried to put the ball up in the air and go for, you know, whatever they did, uh, they probably get a shorter-range field goal, and they probably uh, they probably advance. Um, and then, you know, TCU was bad yesterday, but, you know, a lot of people want to try to come back after this game and say they shouldn't have been in that game. Hindsight's twenty twenty, guys. Listen – they beat the only other undefeated team in the country uh, in the semifinals uh, in Michigan. And, you know, Michigan came back and really pushed them at the very end. But make no mistake, they they jumped out in front of Michigan and looked really good early in that game. I think that that game before served as a wake-up call for Georgia against Ohio State. I don't know what it was, New Year's Eve hangover or whatever else. Maybe they partied the night before. I'm not sure. But that defense looked very, very uh, vulnerable in that game. And it, it honestly like Ohio State took what LSU did in the second half and was able to replicate a lot of that to really have success against that Georgia team. So uh, I thought that TCU with Max Duggan, who likes to push the ball down the field, I thought that they would have enough – to maybe challenge Georgia, uh, but this was just um, this was a perfect storm uh, for Georgia in that they were able to get off to a lead early. And I honestly think the score would not have been this bad, other than with it being Stetson Bennett's swan song and his last game and whatever else. 
you know, they just decided to open it up and let him play and still throw it around in the second half. And listen, it was so disrespectful that some of these Georgia players were eating wings, hot wings on the sideline while the game was still going. <laughs> it was bad. And, and I know, I know, I know, I know, especially for you guys in the Northeast, that you get tired of seeing the SEC teams. I know that there are a lot of people that want to think that the SEC gets preferential treatment when it comes to uh, college playoffs and that kind of thing. Well, they didn't really this year. Um, you know, Alabama with two losses pushed themselves out of it. LSU losing A and M pushed themselves out of it. So they didn't get. They only got one team, and that one team almost got eliminated in the semifinals. But when you know, listen, when the chips were down, they definitely flexed their muscle and they they showed it. And I'm telling you right now, once we go to 12, you're gonna see sometimes three, maybe even occasionally four SEC teams in that final 12. And if you don't want them to be there, you better beat them. That's all I can tell you. Um, and, and there's a reason why, other than Ohio State's uh, championship in 2014, since they started the uh, college playoffs, only one it, – it, the national title has stayed in the South and only one year since they started the uh, – the college playoffs after Ohio State's win. Only one year has it gone as far west as Louisiana. It's football country down in the southeast, fellas. I ain't buying all that southeast football nonsense. I'm not doing that. But I will say this. I will say this. My conference had two teams in the playoffs, and both teams decided to, you know, pee down their leg and not take advantage of the opportunity. So, I'm gonna give credit where credit is due this year, but yeah, I'm I'm, I'm not even going to that. Villa, okay, but real I'll quick, real you, quick. wait, 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 yeah, real quick. Yeah. Four four straight, five out of six, and seven out of nine. Villa, go ahead and have a say what you got there. If I come through this phone and you know, hit Pat Mr. Hardy on the forehead <laughs> with something, man. <laughs> so. It's not. He's not wrong. Um, listen, it was the worst bowl loss ever. Not in a championship game. Not with the potential champion ever in a bowl. We're talking. You can go back to the Alamo Bowl, Cheez It Bowl. Uh, you know, whatever you want to call it. You know, Enterprise Rent a Car Bowl or any any bowl. Worst beatdown ever. Count the um, old school tangerine and blue bonnet bowls. All of them. <laughs> but seriously, it's it's the idea of that you got two really good semifinal games, right? The Michigan TCU game was really good. Ohio State Georgia game was really good. To go from that high to have this kind of letdown was was really disappointing. Um, and, and from that perspective, it was disappointing for college football. But I think in general. I think it's a great help for for the the college bowl system expansion, right? Because now you'll have more teams in it, and and you know, I listen. TCU deserves to be there. Anybody that wants to tell me Alabama deserved to to be there, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not buying that. I don't care if it's Nick Saban. I don't care if their two lost team on 
on paper is better than a one-loss TCU. You don't lose a game to LSU when Georgia beat them by, like, 20-plus points. You don't lose a game to Tennessee when Georgia beat the brakes off of Tennessee. I'm sorry. You don't deserve to be in after that. That's, That's it. Well, so anybody that wants to fight me on would you still be saying that if TCU didn't get in and subsequently make it to the national championship game? No, I was saying that before. Still, I, I would think Alabama deserves We predicted. I didn't think Alabama deserved to be in. Barry and I said on this show, uh, when we were talking about predictions for the playoffs. Now, we didn't see TCU losing the conference championship game, but we said, e- even with a loss there, once they came out undefeated, we we both said we thought that there was no way that Alabama was going to get in the back door and get into the playoffs. Right, and, and there we, was no way. We, were told, we, we were told by people in Sports City that we were, uh, we were not being, uh, you know, we were not being clear, you know, uh, I can't. We we were not right. Let me just say that. Um, but right. Yeah, we were. I mean, and the fact that. No, go ahead, go 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 No, it's it's just that idea, serious that Alabama didn't have a big win. Right, they didn't have a quality win. Even though they were in the SEC, they had wins against teams that were ranked, but they they weren't Alabama-type wins. They were close games. They had to come from behind against, against um, Ole Miss, or not Ole Miss, uh, Mississippi State. So, And like I said, Georgia beat Tennessee and LSU. Alabama didn't. I can't put you in. I don't care if it's a two-point two conversion at the end of a game is how you lost that game. I don't care. Listen. It's not like the, the referees took the Alabama defense off the field and let LSU run a two-point play with nobody on the field. They had a chance to stop them. You win that game, you're probably in the playoffs. You didn't win that game. You don't get credit for almost winning. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sorry. So, But I, I digress. Georgia deserves the flowers. Two-time champion. It's hard to do it. I, don't think, the, I think the last time it was done was 2014. Um, so give Georgia credit. Yeah, Alabama. Yeah, so give Georgia credit. They got 12. they lost the they you like you said they lost a lot of starters right, and they reloaded. They you just look at the matchup with Georgia and TCU. TCU had maybe what five or six four, four or five star players. Georgia had one at every mm-hmm. position and had guys on the bench four or five star waiting to get in the game. There was just no match. Um, Georgia is that good. Um, they should be favorites to win it next year. Um, Kirby Smart is not the greatest coach of all time. I, I really feel like that's probably Nick Saban. But right now, as it stands, Kirby Smart's the best college football coach in, in the game right now. Um, Alabama's going to come back. They're going to be they're going to be right there. But Georgia deserves their flowers, and, and you got to give it to them. And shout out to that kid. Um, that's I mean. To come from where he came from to be a two-time champion, yeah. um, I think he's a third-round pick in the NFL, and, and a team would be glad to have him on their on their team. 
The funny thing is, real quick, I, I want to get this in a second, and then, uh, Sirius, I'm going to throw you one quick little, uh, I want to throw you one quick little bone, but Stetson Bennett went to Georgia as a walk-on, left, went and played junior college ball, came back, was third string. Um, they tried everything they could to bench him. They brought in the guy, JT Daniels from Southern Cal, who played late in, in a season a couple years ago. Uh, Stetson Bennett beat him out again. They even tried to bring in a transfer from uh, – Wake Forest coaches said they tried to do any and everything they could to run Stetson Bennett off. Now they're glad they never did. Now, he may not be any better than, say, Jay Barker, if any of you guys that are old enough to know him. Um, And so he may never be anything more than, say, Colt McCoy at the next level. But I think he's done enough to at least earn a shot. Now, the, the, the other thing that I will say really quickly is I know that the bowl games to a lot of people appear meaningless because of opt-outs and everything else, and nothing really matters aside from the semifinals. I get it to a lot of people. But the two best conferences in college football uh, at least showed up. Ohio State showed up against Georgia. Michigan showed up against TCU. They didn't win, but they showed up. Penn State did their thing in their bowl game. Uh, Iowa did their thing. Now, Purdue, of course, that's a whole different story. The SEC – we saw what Georgia did in the playoffs. Alabama ripped a conference champion in their game. LSU tore apart a, uh, a team in their game. And Tennessee, with a backup quarterback, beat the ACC champion Clemson Tigers in their bowl game. So the the rest of the teams in the conference might have been kind of messed up with opt-outs and everything else, but the top dogs in, in the best conferences in the land at least took care of business in their bowl game. I can't argue against that. I can't argue against that. Call the numbers nine two nine four seven seven two seven five nine. Uh here with Sports City Chefs for the next uh couple minutes. I, I did manage and, you know, talk to the powers that be get overtime. Thing, send it a little bit. Overtime. We in over you have to go to overtime, ladies and gentlemen. We got we got a lot to talk about. With that being said, I'm not gonna waste anybody's time. Uh with the with the coach of the year out of the way, we did have a, a, a couple of coaches um, get fired uh, as early as Sunday evening. Um, Lovey Smith was, got fired. We've got head coaching vacancies at Denver, head coaching vacancy at Indianapolis. Um, Cliff Kingsbury was fired. Uh, Matt Rule was fired. Um, and I think that's the other head coaching firings that uh, took place. There's a couple other coordinators that have lost their jobs and parted ways, if you will. Um, I want you guys to play match that team, if you will. And I want to start with you, Mr. Harvey. Uh, I want you to handpick the best coach for the Denver Broncos. Best coach. So, I'm going to honestly tell you, I think um, I think that you're going to hear um, a lot of Sean Payton uh, in a lot of areas, and I think Sean Payton would be a good coach for any team that needs a coach, uh, to be honest with you. But um, is he the best coach for the Denver Broncos? Um yeah, maybe. Uh, I, I honestly, I think that um, out of all the coaches that are going to be uh, 
uh, out there. There's there's not one that that's going to have the same kind of uh, pedigree or have won as much as a guy like Sean Payton. So um, I would probably say uh, he may end up he might be the best fit for them, but I don't think he'll end up taking that job. Okay. Um, so who do you think ends up getting that job if Sean Payton does not get that job? Um, that's a good question because I could see Jim Harbaugh. And this is a place that I don't think that they would do it because of his time out there. Uh, but this is a place where uh, I really think that a guy that would be a very, very good fit for the Broncos would be Eric Bieniemy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So Bieniemy is a guy who we all understand has been looked at but passed over or chose not to accept or, or, or whatever, fill in the blank, uh, for, for quite some time. Um, his name is also going to be along the list of people that gets brought up uh, all, all season long. But Eric Bieniemy to Denver doesn't seem like too far-fetched. Dylan, I- I'll come to you. Um you heard what Mr. Harvey said about Sean Payton possibly being linked there. His his pick is the enemy. Um, who do you think's the best fit to go out there and somewhat lead a uh, Denver Broncos team that drastically underperformed and underachieved this past year? So I would think it would need to be an offensive guy. Um, I don't think defensively they they need that kind of voice. I think you you would like to stick with that that coach, but I think the new coaches want their own um, staff. But I think the defense is showed up. Um, if it's not Peyton, I'm gonna probably lean towards Harbaugh. I think I think they woo him. I think they do everything they can to get him in the building. Um, I don't know if Michigan. Michigan will open up the checkbook and desperately keep that guy there, but I think Jim Harbaugh is probably the best fit um, to go to Denver. Okay, so the names that I'm I'm reading right now that have been interviewed or requested to interview look like they're all defensive guys outside of Sean Payton and Jim Harbaugh. I think that once again, John Elway and company are looking in the wrong direction. Um, a guy who I think uh, would do really, really well there is Ben Johnson, who is currently the offensive coordinator of the uh, Detroit Lions. But I, I digress. Um, the Houston Texans are the next team. I kind of want you guys to put your put your hats on. Um, and kind of pick a coach to go in there and kind of work that rebuild, keeping in mind um, the star receiver Brandon Cooks has came out and saying he doesn't want to go through a rebuild. Um, he wanted to be traded, you know, at the deadline this past year. He missed a significant amount of games due to injury and or just not wanting to play. So whomever goes in there is going to really have to get their hands dirty um, and I'm going to come back yeah. to you, villain. Oh, what's up? What's up, buddy? I was just going to say, as, you, as you're pondering this uh, question on who to give the head coaching position to in the, for the Houston franchise, 
I just want to encourage you to think of a coach that you really do not like or wish to have no success. Okay, but uh, Villain, you first. This is a uh, this is a, a a very tough situation for anybody to be walking into. Well, see, hold on a second because at, at the end of the day, I think the person that goes into get in there first of all needs a long rope, but second of all, he needs to be a guy who, when he speaks, people listen. And I think that there are a couple guys that I, that I'm looking at that could potentially go in there and demand that type of a, a presence. But I, I'll say my answer for, for last. Um, Zillan, I'll start with you, man. Go ahead and hand pick your Houston Texans coach. I don't even know. I, like, I'm, I'm in total agreement with Mike. As long as they're not black. Like, there is no reason why anybody would want this job. And why would why the GM still has his job as a joke? I I would never right. want to be attached to that GM. Um, we we both said it. We said it to begin the year, and we weren't proven wrong mm-hmm. here. Is that this was the worst nope. team? It's a complete joke. It's a dumpster, disgraceful organization, and we were proven right again. Even after their first what, the first game of the season, they won. Right? It's a joke. Mm-hmm. It's an they tied. Joke. They tied. They tied. They tied. They tied. My fault. Um, but it's an absolute joke. How do you give a coach one year after the the mess that they've been in since they what? Um, what, what was the the coach? I can't even remember his name. Um, Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien. Um, yeah, Bill O'Brien. After the mess that he created, you you ran off three stars that you could build cornerstones around your team. Three of them. In succession each year, J.J. Watt, DeAndre Hopkins, Deshaun Watson, and then you got, like, the organization as a whole is a complete joke, and you give a coach, a black coach, one year to fix this? I Seriously, I can't in good conscience give you an answer. And and consecutive years. They did that shit. Your fourth year with your fourth new coach. Fourth year with the four, the, your fourth coach. It's a joke. I can't, in good conscience, serious, give you a coach that I think is a good fit for this team. You know why? Because it's a Mickey Mouse organization. Mickey Mouse isn't even a good fit for this organization right now. I I can't even Not tell me. you. I can't. I, I, I got nobody. you higher. I got the higher. I got the higher. I, I've been thinking about this long and hard for the last like forty eight seconds. And I've got to hire for this position because I 100% agree with you. Nobody can win here. Uh, they should have honestly kept the coach that they had at the end of last season. Uh, he should have been allowed another season to try to see what he could do to right the ship. But I think since he took over, he got his feelings hurt when he got ran off from USC. So he bounced around. He ended up at LSU. He gets the head job. He leads him to a national title, and then all he wanted to do was chase women and get allegations against him. So I think the answer for the Houston Texans is ineligible. But who? The, the head coaching answer for the Houston Texans is Ed Ogeville. Okay, I got you. The guy, I got you. Okay, that, I got that, you. That, 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 that's the guy 
he's okay. crazy okay. enough. People will listen to him. Uh, they won't be able to understand half of what he says, but he's crazy enough <laughs> to go down there and try to make something out of it. So I say you hire Ed Ogeron. You know what? It, it, it's funny because, you know, LSU fans, you know, love, love, love that guy. And, you know, maybe he can go down there and, and, and get it to work. I, the names that I'm, that I'm hearing linked to it, uh, D'Amico Ryans, I really hope he doesn't, you know, accept the job. Um, for oh, reasons that Barry and I just, reasons that Barry and I just alluded to, uh, the New York Giants off coordinator, Mike Kafka. Um, you know, who, who knows? Um, I think I think that I think that's a tease. I think that's a tease here. I don't think he's a a top candidate yet, but I think he's on the come up. I think he's on the come up. I think I Houston drafted D'Amico. I, I think Houston drafted D'Amico Ryan too out of out of college. If I'm not mistaken, coming out did. of Alabama, I think I think Houston drafted him. So it's, I'm it's, it's like a home going Dem- around. D'Amico, Ry- D'Amico Ryan is a perfect fit in Carolina. I love that. That's I, lo- I, I love that, too. I love that there, too, actually. I ain't going to hold you, but I, I, I love D'Amico Ryan in Carolina. We'll, we'll, we'll get to them in a second. Um, mm-hmm. But I, honestly, uh, I'm not too sure who – I'm not too sure who is the correct guy to come through and coach the Houston Texans. I mean, I'm sure they're going to try to pull, um, you know, somebody out of retirement. You know, obviously Sean Payton comes to mind. I don't see Sean Payton going there. I think it's going to be possibly a coordinator looking for another opportunity uh, to to be a head coach, um, you know, in this league. So, but. Here's one more for you because, and he's old now, so he might be too old to do this, but he's run franchises in the ground. So what can he Mm -hmm. do with a franchise that's already in the ground? Maybe bring Jeff Fisher back to be the coach of the Houston Texans. Um, Jeff Fisher's blackballed from being a a coach, I think, in this league, man. You know who's going to get that job, though? You know who's going to get that job, Sirius and Mike? Brian Flores. You better not. How much you want to bet? You better not. How much you want to bet? You better not. That wouldn't surprise me. That wouldn't surprise me. Well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Brian Flores right now is interviewing for the uh, defensive assistant joint, um, defensive coordinator in in Cleveland right now. Brian Flores isn't even linked to the Houston. But but, but here's a name that I think you guys might want to pay attention to. Okay. And that's Jay Gruden. Oh God, Jay Gruden. Make it stop. Make it stop. The former, the former coach right, of the John, Washington Commanders. John's brother, former quarterback yeah. for uh, former quarterback for Tampa in the Arena Football League back in the day. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't Jay be surprised. unless you're unless you strike out with all four teams, there's no way you would want that job. I, I don't know. I, uh, yeah, I, 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 to me, I think you have to, uh, you have to think outside the box if you're Houston, and you either got to get an old head who's on his last leg, or you got to get a guy who has nothing to lose and who may not otherwise be granted a head job. But you got to find a guy that you really believe in that can inspire you. 
Um, but it, it's almost like it has to be an out, an out-of-the-box hire for Houston. But, but Mike, they did that. They got two old heads, right? They got Cully and, and Lovey Smith. I mean, I, 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 you know, I understand, I don't and I think, I, I think I don't want to, should I, still be the coach. I know. I just, I, you know what? I don't want to talk about these guys anymore. They make me sick. I, I don't. <laughs> okay. I, I, I've got my perfect fit for Carolina. I go ahead, Carolina. Who's I think Carolina? it's DeMarco Ryan. I think it's DeMarco Ryan. Uh, no, first of all, his name's D'Amico. Let's let's get his name right. But um, but no, I think I think the perfect fit. For That's how Carolina, I see it. That's how I see it. <laughs> I think the perfect fit for Carolina is Steve Wilkes. What else do you want this man to do? Like it's an impossible situation. Didn't have a whole lot at the quarterback position. Uh, you know, the coach got let go midway through the season. Uh, this man had this team. You know, listen. They might not have made the playoffs. They were mm-hmm. they were close. One, one another win down the stretch, and they probably do make it. But they also uh, were able to play spoiler for somebody we were just uh, touting the Lions. They couldn't make it uh, for them to uh, you know end the uh, playoff. Or, you know, a team in their division. Well, Carolina kind of said, well, you know what? If we can't go, we're going to make it harder for you, Detroit. And as good as Detroit played. Uh, down the stretch, and they did. Carolina came to play. They had a game plan, and they handled their business against Detroit. Um, I think that Steve Wilkes kind of got a bum deal in Arizona the first time, uh, and I think that this is a a black man that was put in charge of a team uh, midway through the season under some very difficult circumstances, and listen, he found a way to make some pretty damn good lemonade out of those lemons. I, you know what? I I I have to kind of agree with you, Mike. Oh, even though I think Demarco D'Amico, Nico, is a good is a good. I think he's a hot hire. I think any team that gets him um, would be happy to have him. I just think the the fit is good with Carolina. But if anybody could get anything out of Sam Darnold after the career that he had in New York. You definitely need to have uh, be at the top of the list for for a coaching job, and and Steve Wilkes not only got the most out of look, they traded away Christian McCaffrey. They traded they they tried to trade away uh, DJ Moore. Um, they they almost you know tried to gut this team, and they were one or two games away from winning that division. Steve Wilkes gets a lot of credit for that, and I, I hope he gets a job. I don't mind the Steve Wilkes hire um, if, if he gets it. I, I think he is very, very deserving. Um, I think we need to really double-click on D'Amico Ryan, though. I, mm-hmm. I really like this guy. Um, you know, he, he's doing work right now. In, in San Fran, I think that um, he, 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 he gets it. Another guy um, that may garner a lot of attention, I'm, I'm giving you two former head coaches. Uh, Frank Wright is now linked to this job um, as, as a guy who could potentially come in there and coach. And an oldie but goodie. Uh, one who I feel was unnecessarily uh, fired 
is Jim Caldwell, the former Detroit Lions coach who was now resurfaced and and being, uh, who had interviewed for this Carolina Panther job along with uh, uh, Steve Wilkes. But Carolina is now an attractive destination. Um, I'm not too sure um, if they're going to keep Sam Darnold at quarterback or, or, or what have you there. Um, but you've got a stable of running backs. You've got a wide receiver one and DJ Moore. The defense is coming around. Um, and like you alluded to, uh, Mr. Harvey, you know, at the beginning of your statement, this team rallied and played hard for Steve Wilkes. Um, and I really hope that um, he's given an opportunity to, to, to interview and potentially, you know, pick up where he left off. But not only that, that the that the rope that he has is not as short as those that preceded him. Um, I just really feel as though the Carolina Panthers, you know, again, rightfully so, we, we're seeing a lot of uh, of guys giving short ropes when they're in the middle of a of a known rebuild. Um, but I, I I I like those guys. Um, the Arizona Cardinals is, is, is the next guy, uh, the next team up since Cliff Keyberry, uh was, was fired, you know, after going 4-13 this past season. Um, he was never the right guy for the job. I think he was hired uh, prematurely. I don't think he deserved the job. Uh, this dude has not won at any type of level. He got the job, in my opinion, because he – shared space in, 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 in a locker room with the, the, the great Patrick Mahomes. But I digress. If you guys can pick a, a, a coach to go down there and figure that thing out, keeping in mind there was talks today, I shared this with you guys in, in the chat, uh, that they may be looking to shop and or move D-Hop. Um, so you go down there, you get rid of D-Hop potentially, you don't know what the heck's going on at quarterback. Kyle Murray's not going to be ready until the middle towards the end of next season anyway, so you've got to have to address the quarterback position. The defense is not what it used to be. You do have Isaiah Simmons, but other than that, uh, the defense has given up a lot of yards. Uh, your running back has been a revolving door. There's a lot of question marks in Arizona. Who is best fit to go down there and kind of steer that ship? Uh, Harvey, I'll come to you first, sir. Okay, so I look at this job, and this is another job that, you know, I would think I would think that uh, I would think that Peyton would be a good fit for. You got a franchise quarterback, and you can continue to sort of build around. And it's not, you know, it's a pretty warm area of the country to kind of play, so you don't got to deal with miserable winters. Uh, but, I, you know, once again, I don't think this is a job that he is going to take. Um, I think that the the problem is is that I think a guy like uh like a Frank Wright I think a little bit too old I don't know that he's going to reach a young guy like Kyler Murray I think that this job needs um if if you went defensive minded then you have to at least have a very good offensive coordinator that's going to stick with you and be part of that system. You have a franchise quarterback to build around. Maybe, though he's not going to be healthy for a lot of next season, maybe that gives him time to get in the playbook. 
and really learn, and it becomes interesting what kind of uh, how you transition or who's going to be quarterback for you while you're waiting on him to get back. But this is another job that I could see a guy like the enemy really being considered for. This is a job that I would consider if I were D'Amico Ryan, only because I think that he's the kind of guy that's going to have respect for uh, the respect of the players. He is uh, not so far away removed from uh, the game that uh, I think the players will listen to him. But if you do go with a defensive-minded guy like a D'Amico Ryan, like I said, you've got to have a, a really strong offensive coordinator and a guy that can really communicate well with uh, the quarterback. So if I were D'Amico Ryan, even though he got ran out of Carolina and fired from there, I would give a guy like Joe Brady a call, who was the offensive coordinator in Carolina after being the OC at LSU, who has a lot of those same kind of uh, concepts that Sean Payton ran, but that's a guy that I would give a call to to try to come in as a young guy and, and maybe connect with my quarterback. So you're looking at Joe Brady. Okay. So I think D'Amico I, mean, I, I think that's the, I think that's the job for D'Amico Ryan. Okay. All right. All right. Dylan, I'll come to you, man. The Arizona Cardinals, man, they have a, a, a laundry list of, of question marks and issues that they have to address who you feel is best fit to go in there and kind of steer that ship. Tough because this is probably the one, the best quarterback attached coaching job that you could kind of sign up for. I think Russell Wilson's on the back end of his career, even though I think he can probably be salvaged for a couple of years and play, play some good football. Kyler Murray is younger. I mean, even though he has a knee injury, Carolina doesn't have a quarterback. Um, you know, Indianapolis doesn't have anything. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? So those are, you know, tough positions to be in. Uh, Houston, well, I I promised myself I wasn't going to mention their name. Um, I think Peyton would want to take this job just because of the quarterback situation. But to your point, Mike, in serious, you know, with Kyler Murray not going to be ready to start the season, um, not sure um, if he wants to, you know, go through that. And the roster kind of needs to get, you know, retooled because you're going to trade, you're going to have to trade Hopkins, J.J. Watts retiring. So it's not going to be an easy roster to try to fill out. Um, I think this is probably time that the Eric the Enemy call happens. I think he would probably be able to come in here, um, have, you know, bring in his offense probably to suit. I could see Kyler Murray in the like in the Kansas City style offense with that kind of ability. Um, and then most likely be able, the enemy be able to get the most out of him and to start retooling this roster to fit his uh, strengths a little bit better. So I think the enemy is probably the best fit. I see your point on that. The one thing that I will say, though, is because he has refused to accept certain jobs, unless he feels yeah. like this is his only this is his only path. I, I think the only hiccup to that, and trust me, there's hiccups to my guy too. So, uh, but I don't as good a fit as he would be. I don't know that he would accept it. I mean. Okay. Here's my issue with with that. So, 
every year BNME is the names that, that get thrown out and we all ask the question, why isn't he getting these jobs and why is he getting these jobs? If if BNME is turning down these jobs, I think the narrative needs to change because he, 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 he either he wants to stay in in Kansas City, and again, why would you leave Patrick Mahomes, or something else is, is, is going on. And ultimately, at the end of the day, um, there has to be a reason as to why the enemy isn't accepting or getting these jobs. And I don't think it's because he's an African-American, African-American candidate. I, I, I don't think that's it. So if, if that's what it is, I mean – let, let it be that, um, you know, but we'll, we'll, we'll see. For me, um, I think the best fit for um, the Arizona Cardinals has got to be an offensive guy. <laughs> um, and honestly, I think that's where Sean Payton pops up. I think mm. Sean Payton is it. I, I think if Sean Payton doesn't end up in Dallas, which yeah, I when Dallas loses to Tampa Bay, Sean Payton's going to Dallas. So mark that down. That's yeah, why I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I don't know that he wants, but, I don't know that he wants to do down. with Jerry Jones. Well, I mean, he's Jerry been there Jones before. He's worked, for, he's worked there. He's been offensive player. I understand he's worked there before, but he also worked under uh, he also worked under Parcells, so he had buffers there and yeah, saw exactly. some of the frustrations that Parcells had too. So, I mean, listen, it, it's always been a foregone conclusion, and I know that he could have taken the job a few years ago but felt like his work wasn't complete yet in New Orleans, and I get it. And so – I, I'm not saying that it's not going to happen, but I am saying that I do think that there is a part of Sean Payton that feels a little hesitant to go work for Jerry Jones. I, 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 don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I mean, everything that we're seeing, everything that we're feeling is that those two are tied at the hip. But, again, we'll, we'll see. I see. I, I think if Sean Payton doesn't go to the Dallas Cowboys, I think this is where he lands. Because I think he definitely wants to get back into coaching. I think this is what he wants to do. Um, and so I, I think ultimately this is where he lands. I mean, he does have the best kind of fit. Now, again, he is going to have to figure out what he wants to do at quarterback because, again, Kyle Murray isn't available. But it's going to be interesting to see what pops off, man. Call the numbers nine three nine four seven seven two seven five nine. We got the next six or so minutes uh, here with Sports City. I'm gonna get these guys out of here, man. Um, Mr. Harvey, man, thanks for talking, man. Thanks for coming back to us, man. Give us a plug and a closeout uh, as we get out of here, man. Man, as always, barbershop on Clubhouse, SportsCityChefs.com, Boz website. Uh, check out the website. We got blogs, articles, other things up. On the site, these guys did finger foods all year uh, for their team. So you got uh, previous episodes, lots of good content there to uh, browse and check out. We usually have the college cookout on Wednesday night. 
Ken and I are doing a show on Thursday night at 9 uh, Eastern, and you two guys are welcome to stop by. Still kind of working on a, uh, you know, how we're going to title it and whatever else, but we're just trying to uh, establish a regular pattern of Thursday night shows. So Chandler and I are going to get down on Thursday uh, for you guys and cover a wide variety of sports topics. And then, uh, like I said, man, also shout out to PHI Apparel. Appreciate them, man. PHIapparel.co. Uh, go check it out. Use the promo code CHEFS at checkout. I think it's 15% off, uh, 20% off, something like that. Uh, what is it, Barry, 15 or 20? Um, but use it. Use the promo code. Use the promo code just to check out, man. Uh, listen, you can you you could get your uh, you get your Trey Turner Phillies jerseys, uh, any uh, any Philly uh, apparel, man. Not only if you're not a Philly fan, you probably know somebody who is. They're pretty loud mouth, so uh, you'll hear them, and then you get a Jalen Hurts jersey, AJ Brown, whatever you want. But check out phiapparel.co for all your Philly sports apparel needs. Um, man, the last thing I'll say is, uh, as we get into another new year, man, uh, it's always a pleasure to chop it up with you guys, man. You guys are like uh, extended family, so I appreciate y'all. Mad respect to you, uh, also to you, Sirius, and also to the big homie TP. Without him, I wouldn't be here, man. Um, appreciate you guys, man. Until next week, actually, until um, tomorrow night, if we have a caller's cookout on Thursday, let me just go ahead and give you one time, bro. Laissez les wontons rouler. <laughs> there it is. There it is. <laughs> Thanks, Mr. Harvey, man. I greatly appreciate it, man. Villain, you know what to do, man. Give us a plug and a close out as you get out of here, my man. Listen, uh, great NFL season, man. Glad to be back on the show. Uh, we got to get back into the swing of things. So tomorrow probably will be uh, the, the, the callers cookout. Uh, you know, talking all things sports, probably get into a little bit of college football, but really probably talk some NFL. That's a playoff football to talk about, baby. Uh, great slate of games coming up. Shout out to uh, all the chefs, Chandler, Mike, uh, Timeless, the, the the head honcho, Sirius himself, uh, and everybody who contributes to the Sports City Chefs cause. We're working on some big things. Get to the website, the blogs, the interviews, all that good stuff, like Mike said. Uh, shout out to our sponsors, uh, PHI Apparel, trying to get some more sponsors in there. So that's we're, we're working on that in the pipeline, doing some big things. And we, we come in, man. Sports City Chefs, it's a new year. We here, man. Uh, but it, all I can tell you guys, uh, listen, um, you never know um, what the next day will hold. Um, you know, I, the DeMar Hamlin situation, uh, you know, it, it sucks that it takes stuff like that to make you appreciate everything that you go through in life and, and with your family, but hug your family. Tell me, love them. Um, shout out to De, uh, DeMar Hamlin, who's home in Buffalo, uh, recovering in, in a Buffalo facility or what have you. So, um, listen, it, it's great how the community came together for him and, and the Buffalo Bills mm-hmm. came together for him. Um, so, but all I can say is just hug your loved ones, man. Hug you, man. You know, God is good, man. Serious, good to hear your voice. I'm out of here. Yo, man, thanks so much, man. But it's your boy, Serious, up in that 412 and the 703, man. I wanted to, you know, end my, 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 my closeout on, on DeMar Hamlin. And, and, you know, shout out to everybody that was involved with, was making sure that, this man is still here, but I wanted to take it a different direction. You know, we saw a lot of togetherness and unity and, 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 and prayer and, 
and well wishes and good vibes across not only the sports world but you know everywhere you know for for a period of time and it matter if you were black white blue green purple gay straight trans democrat republican you know if you were a giants fan or a raiders it nothing mattered all we cared about was just being there um and, and sending well wishes and sending good vibes to somebody who we who who we who needed it um and my my my, my question and my charge to everybody as, as we shut down the NFL free for all this week is why does it take something this tragic before we start to come together you know what I'm saying it should not be you know, a person's life is in danger or, you know, this person lost this loved one uh, when we come together. We should be coming together and using our gifts and our talents and, 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 and our gifting to better everybody. With that being said, God bless you guys. Well, we're going to catch you guys on the next one. We out of here, man. Sports city, sports city, chefs, chefs, sports city, sports city, chefs, chefs, sports city, sports city, chefs, chefs, sports city, sports city, chefs, kaboom, sports city, chefs is in the room, cooking up hot topics to put up on the spoon, they well in tune, blown like a flower in June, Superman verse, MF doom, the clouds loom, so tell a friend it's the sports city, chefs again, pay attention, tune in, we on the set again. Sports city, sports city, chef, chef, sports city, sports city, chef, 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 yeah, cat, Todd, woo, Connecticut, uh.